Welcome in, everybody. Raven Start of the university football season officially upon us. Recording this on a Tuesday morning. Football season starts officially on the 25th with the University of Laval taking on the Sherbrooke Green and Gold. Very or for our French listeners. That's right. I did grade eight French immersion. Um, but we're not going to get to you sports football quite yet as excited as we are, because we still have one Trey Ford to talk about who delivered the first win of the Edmonton Elks season, just like he did last year in Hamilton in front of his friends and family against the Tiger Cats, Niagara's very own getting it done in his home province. What do we make of this game? What do you make of this game? Because I, I think we uh, we differ a little bit on on Trey Ford here. Uh, I don't know. He he's doing enough. But oh, you're coming around on my side. Coming he's around doing on my en- side. He's doing enough. It's not it's not coming around to anyone's side. Um. Oh, I don't know. Last week you were pretty against me. Taylor Cornelius had the had the fake. <laughs> The AC Leonard Connor. AC oh, Leonard. AC Leonard with that catch was their second leading receiver in the game. A defensive tackle had the second most amount of receiving yards on your team. Um, yes. And let's like know. let's let's clear this up. Eugene Lewis played. Yeah. <laughs> Eugene Lewis. Eugene Lewis played. And Kyron Moore. And Manny, and Dylan Mitchell, and Kevin Brown. All of your top players were active in the game. And only Stephen Dunbar had more receiving yards than a defensive tackle. And the ball was not thrown from Trey Ford for that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't love that. I don't love that. But again, like what do you, you know, as a quarterback, what are you supposed to do if you're Trey Ford and you're getting 18 pass attempts? Last week it was 16. You're not getting you're not getting the volume to be able to, you know, put the ball in Gino's hands six times, in Dunbar's hands four to four to six times. Like you're not you're not getting the volume to kind of give these guys yardage opportunities. Sure, like you can complete long ones here and there, but when you're only getting eight passing attempts a game, it gets tougher. Yeah, I I don't know. For me, it was just the Ticats offense looked like they had a new OC and a young quarterback. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. That was more of the difference maker. Like, yes, Edmonton scored 24 points, but they needed a lot of gadgets and tricks to get that and to get that mark. And for all it's worth, once again, in the second half, Connor, only got a field goal. I know they had a couple drives that went real close. But Mark Leggio missed, what, three field goals in the game? I think if he hits two of these, they're in a lot of a different place towards the end. Um, yeah, one of four, as I find it here. So if he hits two of those and misses just one, this game's in a completely different place. Yeah, it's a mind you, he was game. the only one that. 
he uh he was the only one that seemingly missed that close in i know uh my guy james butler had a big day of course but no i don't know it's just it's not doing and maybe we talked about this before maybe it's because we're spoiled with with trey ford we got at waterloo um but it's just not the same like he's he's just doesn't have the same pop or flair there's like it's it's once once a game maybe but we're used to it being once a quarter once a drive yeah no i I see what you're saying i I think too with edmonton with trey with the coaching staff i i think they're like there obviously still is is a leash on him there's still you can see he's still you know playing with a bit of caution knowing that in the back of his mind if something goes wrong, if something happens and it's his fault, he knows that leash is pretty short. And Chris Jones has already shown this year that he will yank you if you're not playing. It doesn't matter if, you know, you got paid like the franchise player, if you're the third string quarterback, if you're the second string, if you're not, if you're not performing, Chris Jones will be quick to pull you. And I think that's maybe why we're seeing a little bit of a, a dulled down version of Trey Ford. Now, you know, he still did have two passing touchdowns in the game. He took off and ran for you know, another 60 yards on, on five carries, but you're right. Like there's, there's a, an element of electricity that's missing in Trey Ford's game right now. And he's still making, you know, he's, he's making the smart reads, he's making the right plays. And I think, you know, he's only in his second year as a CFL pro, but I'm with you. I think there's just, we're, we're missing some of that element of Trey Ford. And, and, you know, I got to wonder at this point, like how much of that, is him versus how much of that is the Edmonton coaching staff having having an effect on him? But I don't know. Like early on in the game, there's a Geno drop that was on Geno, right? Like that's a lot of yards. The third, that's a, yeah, that's Trey, a splashy the, play. The third down that Trey put in an absolute bucket. He did that twice in the game. He made two of those throws on a third down, put the ball exactly where it needed to be, and his receivers didn't come down with it. And you know, it is a. Maybe that's where the splash is. It's, you know, sometimes he just gets let down by his teammates. But in terms of being Trey Ford, the quarterback, I don't really see as much of the creative extending plays like we grew accustomed to. But at, at Waterloo, like we talked to Coach Bird about this and he was like, yeah, I had full confidence just to tell tell five to go be five. Like in Edmonton now, do they have confidence to say go be Trey Ford when he only has four total, four or five total starts under his belt? He doesn't have that pedigree that he had in the OUA yet. Yet. I'll, I'll put, put a big emphasis on the word yet there. I, I think this is also a little bit of situational stuff for, for Trey Ford right now too. Like I don't know if Edmonton is necessarily – the best situation for him to be in. I don't know if it's the best situation for any quarterback to be in right now. When you're what one in nine now, it's hard as a team, not just an individual individual player, but it's hard as a team to have any confidence too. So I think, cause what's a rookie contract two years, two years, I believe. So Trey Ford gets out of this contract. Maybe he goes somewhere else and we see that confidence come back. But right now with Edmonton, like whether it's him, whether it's the team, I think it's a bit of the team saying not having the confidence to say like go be Trey Ford, like like we saw at Waterloo, like you're saying. So I think I think you're right. I think right now he's doing enough. And like we talked about last week, this is about progression for Trey Ford right now. Just, you know, 
building on on the last game. Last game we said, you know, limit some of those mistakes, make some of those throws. I think in this game he did. No interceptions and and he was putting whether the receivers caught the ball, let him down what it is. He was putting the ball in spots where you know only successful things were going to happen. Now I think for this third start, I think he's earned the third start. I think for this for this third start with Edmonton as they get ready to play the Red Blacks at home, now it's okay. Let's see if you can do these things. We'll give you 20 to 22 passing attempts. See if you can, you know, only only come up with five, six incompletions, another two touchdowns, a good rushing day, deliver your first home win. I don't know if that's necessarily the, like, I think that is the ultimate objective for Edmonton, but I don't think we can fault him if he doesn't deliver a home win against a damn good Ottawa Red Blacks team. And this front seven, again, like we saw with Winnipeg, is going to test Trey Ford a little bit, is going to get after him, is going to make him uncomfortable in the pocket. So response to that, I think, is a big thing this week too. All for a home win, but quickly we'll recap the other three games. You ready for this? Mayor throws a pick six. Evans scores in the last minute, and Sam Emelis supermans his way into the dub column. My Succinct? God. What? I mean, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with all of those, but my God, if we're going to take time to talk about anything, Sam Emelis, oh my. Two unbelievable catches in that game. This unbelievable. Is... And, the return of, and the return of KSB, touchdown in the opening yeah. quarter. Oh my, welcome back, Kean Schaefer Baker. Nice to see you again. All right. Uh let's talk some U sports. This is what everybody's here for today, right? Do you want to start on the East Coast or in Ontario or Quebec? Sorry, Can West. You guys you guys gotta no, wait a week. We'll get to play this week. You gotta wait another you guys, week. Let's you guys have to wait. Let's start out east and work our way into Ontario because Ontario has the most games this week okay okay well the aus slate this week acadia at mount allison daniel bell is going to have the pick six today or uh on this weekend and then the other game is bishops at saint fx now connor this is a pretty big matchup for x in week one bishops looked to be i don't know i hate saying they're contender because their offense just doesn't really have a whole big spark or push or didn't last year at least and that's what they need to show but as we've seen from x's preseason game connor they roll deep on defense and if your offense doesn't have a lot of levels of playmakers they're gonna make it a long ass day for you yeah i i'm with you on this one like i think we know who X is. There wasn't a lot of turnover this this year with X. I mean, the bus is back. The Fanyol brothers are back. A lot of that starting defense is back. With Bishop is back. Zachary Kareem is back. Like that's huge for their offense. But with Bishops, I'm I, yeah they. It, we have to call them a contender because last year they they were right there, but. What are we going to see out of the offense this year it is the big question that needs to be answered for me. And it's going to be a big test in week one against St. Effects. A huge loss for a huge loss for Bishops, though, this year. Baron Miles, back to the CFL. 
what is that defense going to look like? Are they going to be able to maintain that aggressiveness? Are they going to be able to contain these good teams like St. FX? I don't know. I really don't know what Bishops is going to look like this year. I, I, I imagine they're going to look pretty similar. They do have some good players over there at the Gators. But you're talking about your conference champions who are now, what, this is their second, it was their second year in a row last year? Third winner in a row, second or third? You, either way, we're talking about a dominant team, the dominant team in the AUS right now. This is a big, big matchup for Bishop's Week One. It is going to be a test, and it's going to be a testament to see what they can do in terms of offensive firepower and capability. Can you keep up with the big dogs like X? And in terms of the big dogs and keeping up, Matt Allison is someone that we think is going to be contending for the Loney Bowl this year. Um you don't want to say they open with a softie, but Connor Acadia since reaching the national semifinal stage in 2019 has just kind of dropped off the cliff. I I won't I don't want to be blunt about it, but there's a lot of players that graduated from that program and it wasn't as heavily replaced like you lost Hunter Gennard and they haven't really found a quarterback since. They had Dale Wright leave and yes, they had Cole Estabrooks. And then once Cole Estabrooks was gone, it was like, okay, well, what do we have? Lord Mullally transfers and it's okay. Well, what's our weapons like on the outside? Um, so for Acadia, judging off of last year's team, this looks like a team that needs a lot of work. And Matt Allison looks to be cruising especially on defense this year with Daniel Bell leading the group. Yeah, I've got absolutely no issues with the defensive side of the ball for Mount A right now. You you said it. Daniel Bell is, is the leader of that group. Your pick six take is a little bit bold for me, but I love it. My question... It's not that bold. It's eh, <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> for for game one, I think, I think if you said he's going to have like a pick six or two this season... That's that's not that bold. Calling a pick six in game one, I love it. But my question right now with, with Mount A, like we know their identity on defense. We we believe they're going to be a good team overall this year. But when it comes to red zone scoring, not even red zone scoring, but red zone opportunities, this was my favorite stat in twenty twenty in all of twenty twenty two last season. But I think it rings true. Mount A right now when you look at red zone opportunities that they had in 2022 they only had 12 red zone opportunities I want to see that number go up if they truly are going to be a contender in this conference you need to give yourself more than 12 red zone opportunities more than 12 times to get in the end zone on a season sure you can find the find the end zone from a little bit further out 30 yards away 40 yards away when you hit on those big plays but when it comes down to it getting yourself 20 and in 25 and in to be able to have those scoring opportunities, whether it's field goals, touchdowns, whatever, I want to see. I not. I want to see. I need to see more than twelve out of Mount A this year, because that's not enough to be a contender. And I think when when you take a look at like even Acadia, they they kind of rank towards the bottom in a lot of the stats as well. But even they were above. Mount Allison in red zone percentage. Um, I really do think that this team has um, 
I don't know the potential. They they need to get after the quarterback. They need to generate turnovers on defense, and uh, they need to really pick up their passing per game. I mean, they were 17th in rush attempts, but they were 26 in passing yards per game, 26th in rush yards per game. They were towards the bottom in a lot of statistical categories, and it's something that needs to change. Like, if you're going to move from 0 and 8, you need to be able to move the ball. Period. So I. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how this season opens up. Their defense did held uh, hold Mount A to 12 points and 19 points in their two loss against them last year. Um, but obviously, like you said, Mount A needs to push and Acadia needs to try to keep up with anyone in this conference. 100%. 100%. All right. On to Quebec. On to Quebec. Laval. At Sherbrooke, McGill, at Sepsa, we are back. Um, La Tendresse against the Caribbean defense. What are we looking at? No turnovers. Well, not no turnovers. I think I think Montreal's defense is gonna do their do their damnedest to force some turnovers. But with La Tendresse, again, you know, like we were talking about with Trey Ford a little bit earlier progression from last year i want to see a little bit more veteranship a little bit more leadership a little bit more comfortability a little bit more calm in the pocket because last andres is a playmaker he is a, a damn good quarterback he finished sixth in the in u sports in average passing yards last year he had just over 2000 on the season but he also did have more interceptions than touchdowns he had nine nine ints eight touchdowns so I, I want to see, you know, protection of the football. I want to see him putting his team in positions of success and not kind of panicking and just throwing the ball up when he does face the pressure that is going to be coming from the Montreal front seven. We've seen it for years now. We know they like to get after the quarterback, and we know that they have the ability to get after the quarterback. Uh, Nicky Farinaccio. Uh, okay. Yeah. Look but out. when you talk about Laton Dress and not turning the ball over. They played an exhibition game against Queens last week. Six of eight and a pick. Of course, it was to Ashton Miller and Lawson, who's in prime form, apparently, as a ball hawk already. Um, but no, it was eight pass attempts, and he puts the ball into harm's way. Um, after that, I don't think he really saw the field much. Um, but like you said with Montreal, this is a team that... We talked about last year how Laval was pissed off because it hadn't been on the national spotlight in a couple of years. I think Montreal might be a little ticked off that they were sent packing last year uh, before they could represent their conference on the semifinal stage. Sepsum has been redone, new field surface, new playing surface available to them. Uh, I think it makes a huge difference for this defense to uh, be back home and feed off that crowd. And they're going to, they're going to cruise this weekend. Yeah, man, I, I am right there with you all the way. I think, you know, well, you said it, nailed it. Montreal is pissed off this year. We are going to see that come out on the field. And this is going to be a, a, a long, tough day for the McGill Redbirds. Yeah, it is. Uh, okay, Laval, Sherbrooke, Anthony Robichaud. Obviously, we saw him at the East-West make a ton of plays. Laval, the Kevin Mittal situation, 
defending Vanier Cup champions. What does this offense look like? Uh, Sherbrooke's also playing on a new service, if I'm not mistaken. So that'll be a different play. Uh, they don't have the natural grass advantage anymore. RIP to the final one in the country, but um, uh, hate to La- see it. <laughs> for Laval, this this game is about reestablishing themselves uh, on the ground, in the air, on defense, in the trenches, every which way possible. This Laval team, I think there's some questions of, okay, uh, yeah, you won, but you're now missing one of your best players. You've had some guys graduate. You've had some guys leave for pro opportunities. Who's back? What can Glenn Constantine do to to correct this team heading into this season? Um, and it's going to be exciting when Sherbrooke can catch people sleeping at home. And they've done it to Montreal the last couple seasons. And maybe Laval falls victim to that early this season. But um, I, I think that this is a good chance for Laval, like I said, to reestablish themselves. What I'm about to say is going to be very obvious, but I think it needs to be said nonetheless. One of the biggest, one of the biggest, most important pieces to a football team's success is quarterback play. And that is the one area with Laval where there are absolutely no question marks. Arnaud Desjardins is back. He led the con or he led the country, not even the conference. He did lead the conference, but led the country with 20 touchdown passes last year, only four interceptions, over 200, over 2,500 yards. He is a dominant force. I think right now, before the start of the season, he is the front runner to win the Heck Crichton. And the Kevin Mattel situation. Right now, that is what it is. It's a huge loss if if he's not going to be able to play for them this year. But I think that with a quarterback the caliber of Desjardins, he can make his receivers look better. He's the type of quarterback that no matter who's out there, no matter which of the five are, are spread out with him, he will find opportunities to make his receivers successful. I agree with that one. and. uh in terms of Sherbrooke, bring a cool uniform combo, open your stadium with pride, let Anthony Robichaux make plays. If I don't see a gold chrome helmet in this matchup to start the year, I will be pissed off from don't either forget, team. Don't Both forget, Giroux, uh, Robichaux's top playmaker, Giroux, should be back this year. Should be back. He's an uh, athletic quarterback, and I, I'm excited to see what he looks like to start the year. But much like McGill, I think this is going to be a real tough test. All right, let's move to the OUA. Obviously, everyone knows that's where we are stationed. That's where we are partnered. Um, there's lots of good games this week. Five on the slate. A couple sleepers. One big sleeper. Uh, and a couple really good physical games I think we're going to get. Um, so, start us off with the one that you want. Uh, well, let's just start at the one o'clock slate. Let's start with your alma mater, the Toronto Varsity Blues, traveling up the highway to take on the Guelph Griffins at home at Alumni Stadium. 
I'm this this matchup to me. I'm curious. There's a lot of for not for Toronto, but for Guelph. There's a lot of question marks for me. What is your quarterback situation going to look like after the dismal situation? The dismal dismal situation that it has been for the last two seasons now. Can we see a Guelph return to form? We know they have you know offensive weapons, offensive playmakers at both wide receiver and the running back position. We know they're going to have an aggressive defense with fast DBs. But this Toronto Varsity Blues team, and you can attest to this, they're a veteran team. Adam Williams in the backfield leading the group is back. Kinsale Phillip at quarterback is back. Nigel Lagood out on the out on the wide receiver position is back. Those guys all bring leadership to the offense. Not to mention Gary Pyle, who we talked about, the center of that offensive line. He's a veteran leader in this group now. Owen Cassidy on the back end of the defense is back. There are playmakers and leaders and veteran guys all over this Toronto roster. And I think they're going to shock some people this season. I think, I think in week one, Connor, that veteran leadership is what is going to be the difference between Guelph and Toronto. Um, like we said, Kinsale, Garrison. Uh, we've got a couple other offensive linemen that are returning on receiver. Nigel LaGood's back. David Osho's back. They've got Nick Green is there as well. They've got, guys littered throughout the defense, Owen Cassie, Jackson Mayer, that are there. And those guys know the standard, know what it takes to be prepared. And when we look at Guelph, it's a lot of question marks. They could be starting a, or should be starting a true freshman at quarterback. They've got a lot of young receivers. They've got a lot of DBs who are second, third year. Of course, they have Brandon Fairjo on the linebacking court. But a lot of this Guelph team is young. And in terms of live bullets, it's going to take a little bit maybe for them to get going. And I think that Toronto is really going to squeeze them in the first half of this game. And it could make the it could make the difference on Guelph season starting with a loss. 100% agree. 100% agree. All right, let's move on to the next game because we still do have four of these to get through. This one, I think, is going to be a quick one. No disrespect, but Western taking on the York Lions. Western, the Yates Cup champions last season. Lost a close one to the Laval Rouge Or. A lot of, again, we were talking about veteranship with Toronto. <laughs> tons of that going on. There's always tons of it with Western. There's always time. I know. Um, but no, Keon Edwards back for another year. Of course, their backfield looks different this year without Ed Bonatti. Um, But they're going to have another running back paired with Keon, like always, to kind always of Always have good him. backs. Uh, always have good offensive linemen. But I think this game is, you hear Western York, this game is exactly what it sounds like, Connor. This is going to be an ugly one to start the year. Um, Western will not take any holds back. They will iron out all of the kinks in a live game, and it's going to be a big score. In terms of York, they don't even have a head coach listed. They don't have a quarterback that's returning. Not a whole lot positive. Week one's a tough matchup for anyone when they draw the Western Mustangs. Hey, who knows? Maybe York's not getting back to us because they're just so absolutely locked in. And we're going to get the upset of the century going on where the York comes in and just absolutely runs over. No, I'm, I, I, I thought the upset of the century was when the varsity blues knocked off the number two Ottawa GGs, Connor. 
I don't know if that's the upset of a century. How about to have it the next matchup that we go to the Windsor Lancers? Upsetting some teams last year. Windsor at Mac. This is going to be. I'm excited for this one. This is a heavyweight tilt in terms of just pure body blows and shots being tossed back and forth. This is going to be probably the most physical game of the week. I I think that Windsor really does have an opportunity this week to go on the road and upset a younger, younger McMaster Marauders team. When we look at, at what Windsor has back, Brent McDougall on the d- defensive side, he's back. Danny Skelton, back manning the offensive quarterback. Chris John, we saw him at the East-West Bowl. He's an absolute bulldozer. Then you throw Joey Zorn in there. Dude, that's a that's a heck of an offensive rushing attack. Now, my question mark like last year is, how are they going to progress this this passing attack? Because at times we did see it get a little stale. And when that happened, we saw Windsor get into a little bit of trouble. But I, I do believe in the program that Coach J.P. Cercelli and, and his staff are building. I believe in Windsor. I believe in Windsor more than I have in years past. They were a playoff team last year. They proved that they, that they can hang around with some of these upper echelon teams in the OUA. Now, we did talk to Dan Bissett, the running back, veteran running back from the McMaster Marauders, and we heard from his side of things we talked about Montreal being pissed off. I think that McMaster is pissed off from last year. He said it openly on air. They were embarrassed. This is not where they wanted to be. They did not want to be a team that misses the playoffs. I think, you know, a few things fell not in their favor that kind of forced them out of that playoff, but it wasn't an overall good season from the Marauders last year. I don't expect that to happen again this year. I expect them to be retuned, refocused, reinvigorated. And I think they're going to be you know, reinvented a little bit. Andreas Dueck, not there at the quarterback anymore. They now have Keegan Hall, who is an absolute stud. He is a rocket launcher for a right arm, and I'm really excited to see what he's going to look like week one. And he's paired with Jacob Patton, who is something on a different level. Connor, he was one of the top receivers sitting at the East-West Bowl as a guy who is nowhere close to his draft year. Yeah. He's going to be scary paired with Keegan Hall. Jackson Cooling, damn good player in his own right. Josh Cumber on the defensive end. So I think you're right. Like, this is going, you said it, it's going to be a heavyweight matchup. It's going to be a blow for blow type game. And the last guy standing when the ninth round is ended is going to be battered and bruised. Yeah, you better hope you have an early buy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if uh... you're Windsor and Mac, this is going to be, yeah. And they both don't have well. Windsor gets his, their by the first weekend of October, I believe. Nope. Yeah, Thanksgiving weekend they get a buy. McMaster, they're waiting all the way until week nine. <laughs> tough. So that's a tough haul. Um. Okay. Stick with the Saturday game. No the game of the we'll week. Leave the best for last. We'll let everybody wait. All right, then it's up to your Ottawa GGs to close out week one on the Sunday 4 p.m. game at TD Place against the Waterloo Warriors. Nolan Caban, uh, like we talked about with Coach Burt, looking to cut the turnovers, uh, keep the offense alive. Basiliga back and full of piss and vinegar, as Coach Burt said. As Coach Burt said. (laughs) Um, 
I think this Waterloo team has a chance to be really explosive, but it's going to come down to those turnovers that we talked about. Yeah, and and like we were talking about with the Toronto Guelph matchup too for Ottawa Ottawa and Waterloo, I think it's it's a lot of the there's a lot of similarities here in this matchup. It's a veteran GG's team. Ben Miracle is back back under center. Ton of offensive linemen back. Max Charbonneau is back. Amlicar Polk has a chance to to step up and be the number one back. He's a guy that's been there for a few years now. Kevin Victome on the defensive end is back. Um ton of ton of playmakers back now for for this gg's team and they're they're facing off against a young waterloo warriors team and you know i think we we anticipate nolan caban to be the starter but there is a there's a quarterback battle going on in camp and we don't know who's going to come out on top so waterloo does have some some veteranship and with guys like sua suker basiliga like you said uh hinsberger one of the hinsberger brothers coming back from injury this year as well but for all things considered, they, they are a young team. They're a team who went through a rough season last year, and I think that's only going to serve as motivation. But you are facing but you're facing an Ottawa GG's team who, for the most part, is returning a lot of their key pieces, a team who was in the provincial semifinal last year. This is a team that you know again wants I don't to think take the next step i think is the is the best way to put it they want yeah. to move up past losing the queens in the semifinals every year they want to be on that yates cup stage and it's going to start week one we heard polk like you said talk about the player-led organization the player-led motivation to take that step it's going to come out fast it's going to come out hot Nick Gendron is going to take probably a 50-yard pass at some point of the game. It's going to be a lot. Like you said, Gigi, first horse out of the gate. You always talk about it. This is the if time they're if going to be. one thing <laughs> that I want, that I wanted to cement in your mind, I think I've finally done it. You officially know, without missing a beat, what a Gigi is. And I think that is my, my most some proud kind accomplishment of three years we've been doing this. <laughs> This is some kind of horse. <laughs> yeah, sure. Western can be the Mustangs, but we're the first horse out of the gate in the race. <sighs> Boom. Okay, final game of the week, game of the week. I'm going to be there, Connor. Possibly. Hopefully, yeah. I want to be there so bad, man. This is going to uh, be this. Oh, oh, if you like quarterbacks, Laurie Howdy Queens. Wow, Taylor Elgisma, Alex Freakin. Bounce around like a little kid over here in my chair. Goodness, <sighs> I will say. This is this is game that has a lot of hype on both ends. I think everyone expects Laurier to be contending for a Yates Cup this year. Queens, obviously expected, as we've talked about, is the favorite this year. I think um, there are favorites for sure. Yeah, I think some people at Western might might say, "Hold on, we they haven't beaten us in however many years." Which is that's a fair argument, honestly. It it's is a fair point, but Vegas doesn't care. <laughs> whoever's making our lines we'll pick a city here brock vegas doesn't care uh brock vegas when they make the lines for who's winning the vanier cup uh, the shoreline casino and gananaki does not care <laughs> gananaki <Q. laughs> um but no this is this is the game where queens if laurier is going to be contending and queens is a favorite queens needs to show why they're the favorite 
this defense needs to suffocate the deep balls to Raiden Thorne and really force some turnovers on Taylor Algersma. And I know that they're going to be working as hard as they can to kind of spread it out and balance their attack so that Algersma isn't trying to carry them. Uh, but Queen's defensive line is going to eat this weekend. And it's going to be exciting to see both Darian Newell and Silas Huber back for week one. Yeah, I think that's the difference for me in this game. I think uh, that's that's my biggest takeaway. Like, I think Laurier has the firepower and capability to go shot for shot with the Queen's offense. Two Two quarterbacks with big arms, two explosive offenses. But I think where... Queens has the slight edge for me is the defensive side of the ball. Again, a lot of veteranship, like you said, Silas Huber, Darian Newell, two massive bodies on that front seven. And I think that when it comes down to it, Queens, Queens' defense will be the difference maker in this one because I think that they're going to have a few few plays up their sleeve and they're going to be ready for the Laurier offense. They always have a few plays up their sleeve. Always. Just never seems to end. Um Okay, so there it is, the preview for this week. Uh, we'll give our picks later in the week. Before it's time for the games to start, we'll make our actual predictions. Uh, we'll do a better job keeping track of them this year because I, I kind of want to see where Connor and I can rank against each other. Um, maybe we'll actually do a fan pick as well. We'll put some stories up. You guys vote. The fan vote will count as one section. You guys can play against Connor and I and potentially Marshall if he gets his picks in. I like it. I like it a lot. It's a good idea. We will be running that this year. All right. If you want to head out and coach some football this fall, why not do it with the worldwide leader in Whistle Tech? Fox 40's CMG whistle can give up to 120 decibels of sound. If you want it for a discount, you can use the code CFP15 at checkout to get you 15% off all your whistle needs. Head over to fox40shop.com, enter the code CFP15 to get in on all the action. As always, Connor's at Connor R. O'Neill. I'm at Wade Zank at CF Perspective. We will see you later in the week with some more conversation about these words. Enjoy the week.